Hello, and welcome to Online and Inspired, a weekly podcast for educators, parents, and those leading the way in the future of learning. I'm Emily Smith, founder and CEO of Teleteachers. And I'm Marissa Rothermel, special education teacher extraordinaire, or mama, as my daughter calls me. We are on a mission to live inspired always and talk about our jobs as education innovators, AKA modern day educators, navigating all the things. We are here as pioneers in online education, firmly set in our beliefs in equality, equity, and balance in all things. We are proud educators, proud parents, and we are here with you every week to talk about how we embrace it all from ed tech news to uh-ohs and boo-boos. Thank you for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe. In everything we do, we strive to bring levity to the conversation. If you're not leaving this podcast with the same feeling you leave the workroom after some juicy conversation we all love, we're doing something wrong. We're moving that water cooler banter online. So let's get to chatting. Are you ready, Marissa? I'm ready, Emily. I'm caffeinated and committed. Let's talk online and inspired. Good afternoon. It is Monday, September 26th, 2022, 12.09 p.m. for Emily and I. Actually, Emily, it might be a different time for you because I think you have flew flown away from the East Coast and all the craziness that we've got going on with Hurricane Ian bearing down on us. But uh, we'll talk about that and everything else because hi, how are you? I am good. Yes, I'm in middle America. This is quite an experience. I have two things. I found out that I am very much a fair weather Floridian and uh, well, that's, that's the primary thing. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm in middle America and, you know, thoughts are with everybody that potentially might get affected by this. It's crazy. How are you? I'm okay because I'm not in Florida, but I'm thinking of all of our friends and family that we do have down there, and uh, I'm a little nervous for them because this seems like a big deal, but I am here in Charleston, South Carolina for what is going to be the first storm that kind of hits us in any capacity. Now, I have no room to talk compared to Florida. Let me make that clear, but I have not done the tropical storm thing, and right now we're looking at 39 to 74 mile per hour winds or something like that sustained over a day or two, and that's just enough to say hmm, am I ready? Am I? And sh- <laughs> and shout out to Margaret, uh, who we've had on the podcast before, because earlier in the season, when we were talking about like preparation and what you need to have ready, she told me all the things I needed to go out and buy. So I have everything. So I don't feel like I need to go running, you know, to the store to buy my emergency food and water and batteries and all that kind of stuff. I have it all. I'm ready. But I just was hoping to not have to use it. Thank goodness for Margaret. I spent... Uh, a lot of time with her last week. We were at a conference together in St. Pete. She's just such an awesome person. She is. She's truly wonderful. She is positive spirit all around. But uh, so where did, where did you run off to and how did you make your decision to leave? Oof. Okay. So this is, so I'll start with where I was last week. (laughs) Um, And I mean, last week was crazy. So it, it felt a little bit weird to just get home in enough time to turn around and get on a plane again and go somewhere. Last week was, um, I was in St. Pete with um, a couple of our team members, including Margaret, and we were presenting um, at the National 
Association of State Directors of Special Education. It was their annual conference and business meeting, and we were co-presenting along with Colorado Health uh, Behavioral Health Administration along uh, about the the iMatter project, which we've talked about on here, um, how they have utilized our our platform to really deliver mental health to every kid in the state, which is which is what they were charged with. We're getting there, but the program is just doing incredibly well. So it was fun to to really share that messaging. But I was in St. Pete through Wednesday, and then I flew to uh, San Francisco for a meeting uh, with the founders of World Refugee School, which was so fun. Um, one of them I had never met in person before. And so it was just, uh, it was the conversation and the laughter and uh, just hearing about the vision of what they have for World Refugee School is, is so cool. So, um, and then, then my flight was canceled. I was supposed to come back Thursday. <laughs> San Francisco to Miami canceled, but it allowed me to spend the day. Um, I, was, I was like, okay, so I can't get on a flight for like two days. <laughs> Ended up finding one, but um, I spent the day in Palo Alto and it was so much fun. It was like medicine for my soul. What is, I, I don't know anything about Palo Alto. What is this? Is this a city? It sounds cool. It is. It's, it's a, a city right outside uh, uh, San Francisco, Silicon Valley. You know, Silicon Valley. Oh, well that I know. Okay. Yeah. Known as Palo Alto. <laughs> So I was in tech heaven and was, I, I got breakfast at like one of these outdoor cafes and it's Palo Alto so funny because you see these, these folks that look like they've been in the mountains for weeks stranded and you're like, oh yeah, that's probably like, you know, some big tech person. <laughs> oh my goodness. What an adventure you've had on. So you finally got home Friday. Here we are on Monday and you've left again, but you had to this time. Yes. Got home Friday night, um, and then Maddie and I turned around, and yesterday morning, I uh, flew into Northwest Arkansas, which is where my sister lives, um, and then my dad came down and picked us up, and now we're in Branson, Missouri for, you know, we're actually going to be here a couple of weeks, which I'm just so excited about. Oh, that's awesome. You got some nice home time and, and family time, and Maddie must be just thrilled. She woke up again uh, saying, birds, mommy, birds. Oh, we're back in Missouri where the birds do sing. Wow. Had you planned on going out there already or no, this was all just a wild surprise. It was a wild surprise. I mean, I wanted to get out here sometime this fall because fall out here is just beautiful. And I wanted to spend time with my grandmother. Um, and this was just, you know, perfect. That's fantastic. Well, I'm excited for you. I, you know, the circumstances aren't ideal, but boy, it's, it's worked out. And now you get to settle for a little while and, and have some, some nature in your blood for the next couple of weeks. No city living. Exactly. And it, while I wasn't ready to get back on a plane again, it was fun to see the, uh, Maddie's transformation. So when I was flying with her um, solo, when she was two years old, it was a nightmare, a nightmare. And just an additional five months has just totally changed. She was amazing. She was coloring and, um, you know, looking at books and was, she was 
contained. <laughs> oh, see, if we if if the powers that be, aka Hurricane Ian, allow us to fly this weekend, it is the first time that Nora is two years old and will have her own seat on an airplane. And we have very mixed feelings about that because there's just no way she's going to stay strapped in that little seatbelt and it's it's not going to happen no matter what we bring. And she's pretty good on a plane, honestly, but she's got to move around a little bit and ultimately she'll fall asleep on me. And we know from last airplane trip that we took, uh, she's always been a tall kid. And so we had happened, we just happened to have an empty seat next to us and someone came down the aisle, one of the uh, flight staff. And said, well, she needs to sit in her seat. I was like, well, this is her seat. She's a lap infant. But it made me realize that, oh, once she's two, like she really can't be hanging out on me anymore. So it's going to be an interesting endeavor if we even get on an airplane this weekend, given uh, given the circumstances that there are with with the crazy weather. So, well, it is amazing that they I mean, they're like hardcore about that because Maddie was a phenomenal traveler, although she was like rolling all over Atlanta airports uh, on the floor. And I'm like, whatever, she's happy. But um, the last 10 minutes of the flight, she was screaming and I could not contain her. I was just literally like, I had her like hogtied and, you know, and the flight attendant comes by and goes, ma'am, she needs to sit in her seat. And I'm like, mm, so good luck with that. What is happening in your life? You're, I mean, Started with a new school, yay for new relationships, figuring out all the things that go with that. Um, it's, it's, we're, we're making a lot of positive change, but um, as with everything in the virtual world, as you and I know, and, and many others, there's a lot of feelings about education uh, happening virtually. And so, you know, just singing to the strengths of what you can do over the computer and what great progress uh, fresh eyes and a new district can can bring. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, here, I survived an entire week of solo parenting. Uh, my daughter turned two. Uh, we've gone to the beach. Like she's tiny. She's a tiny adult. I don't really know what happened in the last couple of weeks, but she went from being, you know, my quote unquote baby to like, oh, you're a human. Like you're just a small human now with and opinion, she's starting to use like three word sentences and they're pretty clear. We had a friend of ours move down from upstate New York. And I don't know if she she feels as if she's his personal keeper or what, but he was <laughs> over the other night and she was giving like all of these directives like, come on, come now, we go in truck or, you know, whatever, like just just telling him everything he needed to do because she's just so excited to see him. I don't know. You know what? Here's my highlight. Here's my highlight. Last night. We decided that we were all going to ruin our dinners and uh, coming from upstate New York, where there is this place called Stewart's Shops, all right, on every corner. And what a Stewart's Shop is, is it's family owned, um, but it's many, many, many locations. It's huge. It is a gas station convenience store ice cream shop slash deli slash whatever, but really it's ice cream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like a million hard ice cream flavors. They have, you know, order at the at the ice cream bar, whatever toppings you want, milkshakes, sundaes, all that kind of stuff. And because there was one on basically every corner, you grow up eating Stewart's dairy products, you know, whether it's ice cream or milk or whatever. So I've been kind of mourning that since since we left. 
Uh, they also had great little coffee and their hot dog bar was awesome. Free toppings all the time. Anyway, so we've moved down here. And while there is plenty of ice cream, nothing has scratched the itch of like Stewart's flavors, right? And my husband last night realized while we were driving, because we're trying to figure out like what's really local, local in our area of Charleston. Uh, he said, we're going to go out for ice cream before dinner. And I was like, okay, sold. Before dinner? <laughs> yeah. This story is leading up to something, I promise. So we went to what was called a, a marble slab creamery. Oh, sure. Like a cold stone. Yeah. What I have not done before. Oh, fun. So that was really cool. But we decided that Nora and I would share something. So, you know, I picked mint ice cream, which is totally her favorite. And then I asked her and I didn't really know if she was going to participate in this at all because I'm someone who loves a lot of stuff in ice cream right so I was like okay we're gonna get some stuff in this and that's what I keep telling her we're gonna put stuff in it I said okay they've got this nice glass partition and she could see everything and I was like well what do you want in your ice cream and she turned out to not be one of those kids where it was like point to everything because I want all of it she was extremely selective in what she wanted mixed in our ice cream and I was like oh my God, you have opinions. Like, I mean, I know that, but like there was such intention about watching this this tiny human design her perfect ice cream that I, my heart just melted a million, million different ways. I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> so she like picked M&Ms. She picked Reese's Pieces. She said no to sprinkles. Uh, can't remember what else she picked, but I remember at the very end, I pointed out, oh, well, those are Oreos two and do you want any of those and she was so excited because she had no idea this crushed jar of black stuff was oreos and once she realized what it was just oh my goodness it was you know big hurrah so she was just pleased as punch so 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 thrilled and it was adorable and i don't know i just feel like we have a grown-up living in our house it's it's great. Aww, that's so that's so sweet and it is kind of as much as you love seeing language develop, it's also heartbreaking. You're like, oh my God, did she just say that? Maddie did that this weekend. Um, when I was when we were about to leave my sister's house in Arkansas, she looks up at me and she goes, Are we go? That was the first time where I took a step back and I'm like, holy cow, she just she just like full on communicated with me. Yes. <laughs> Are we go? Who is my, where is my baby? I feel your pain. Yeah, that's where we are. She's, she's, I, I say it's because we've been going places basically since she was born. We've raised this child who just expects that we're going to go somewhere all the time. <laughs> like we don't know how to be home. So, you know, we'll go downstairs and she's like, we going? Points to the door, like saunters <laughs> over there. It's like, excuse me. No, we're not actually going right now. Go play, go be a child. And then we end up going somewhere because she rules the house. But still, <laughs> it's amazing when they start really doing that intentional communication, which, you know, I've experienced a million times with my own students. But to have your own kid who you you are sure they were just born yesterday or the week before, you know what I mean? Like they're still your infant start telling you these things is just wild and amazing and so, so cool. Well, I want to also ask you too. you know, you've this is this is a little bit on a you know shifting a little bit back to what you said earlier which I was just so intrigued by you're doing some really amazing hard work and bringing online programming into a district that 
really needs it. Have there, what, what kind of lessons have you learned about like what has worked well in, um, you know, building a new type of partnership? You know, my biggest takeaway is that you need, there needs to be buy-in. There needs to be buy-in. And when you are establishing a new relationship, it does help if that there, you know, if there's an administrator involved, if they say, hey, we're embracing this to try to get those open minds, because what happens is that, you know, people are nervous around change. And when I can go into a meeting and meet people and have those face-to-face conversations, you know, then suddenly people feel a lot more at ease. And that's it. It's like, I've always said that the first couple of weeks of going into a new classroom, when you're setting up a new classroom, just, you know, if whether you're in person, wherever, you're meeting your students for the first time, right? It's no different with adults. You want to take that time to get to know the people and what they're interested in and what works for them. You know, don't come in roll, like running in like a bull in a china shop, say, okay, well, who are you and how can we help? you know, versus this is how we're going to do things from here on out. And I think, you know, it's, it really comes down to building those foundational relationships so you can all learn together. Um, As far as reaching students, you know, the reality is, is that kids love a screen. (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not students that you have to increase the buy-in with. They, they just, they've grown up in the area, uh, era of video calls. They've, you know, whether it's on a cell phone or a tablet or a computer, um, that's, that's not an uncomfortable avenue for them. So it's just kind of showing that through effective communication and relationship building, anything is, anything is possible. So it's just kind of keeping that at the forefront of your mind at all times um, and and being as reassuring as you can for people who are hesitant. Um, And making it, you know, making it accessible too, making it so that it's clear when you're supposed to meet, uh, have it in a format that they are comfortable with um, and just constant communication, you know, follow up a meeting with an email summarizing what was said. Um, Take your notes, have things to look back on. Uh, It's just, you know, good practice things. So it's, it can go as fast or as slow as every you know, school district or partnership is, is, uh, comfortable with. And we're just continuing to kind of figure out those needs for our new partners. So that's a lot of fun meeting a lot of new people along the way. And how fun was it having Kim on the show? Oh my God. (laughs) Always fun. She's just a ray of sunshine. I can't even handle it. She is, she is just wonderful at all times. And I, I am lucky to have her in my my day-to-day work life um, where we can just bounce ideas off each other, or put each other in our, own, in our places when we get a little off the rails. And I have a loud personality. She has a loud personality. And together, I think we actually quiet each other down. <laughs> so it had an inverse relationship, but it works really, really well. So definitely, uh, definitely my, my, uh, my work partner for sure. So. Have you had any time to be influenced by anyone since uh, since your world travels? Not really, but I've got a good book recommendation. Well, fantastic. I will I will go ahead and take that. And uh, what is your book recommendation this week, Em? I didn't even know this book existed. And when I saw <laughs> it, like, oh, heck yeah. Um, 
Becoming Trader Joe. Did you know about this book? No. What? I Trader Joe's founder, Joe Colomb, and I'm sure I'm saying his last name wrong. Um, it's called the Becoming Trader Joe. How did I business my way and still beat the big guys? And it's the story of how he founded Trader Joe's and how he developed all of these uh, lines of things that he sells and his thought process and how he, uh, you know, why he has treated his employees exceptionally well, like beyond just um, that that's the right thing to do. It is so cool. I'm just like maybe 10% of the way, but you can imagine like I did cartwheels when I found out this book existed. (laughs) Oh, and he's so quotable too. He had so many great quotes throughout his life. Just reading about since his recent passing with, uh, you know, two buck Chuck and how he responded to the big wine industry. And uh, that's awesome. I had no idea this book existed. I'm totally going to check it out. I can't wait to hear your takeaways from it when you're complete, like when you're all the way through, honestly. Yes, I will. I will provide takeaways. What about you? Have you been influenced? (laughs) I have been, you know what I've been influenced? www.spaghettimodels.com. It is... um, it's related to Mike's weather page on Facebook. And this guy, uh, he refers to himself as uh, a redneck storm chaser. And he is so on top of his game for all things hurricane with multiple posts a day. And even when there wasn't any hurricanes going on, he still found ways to talk about weather. And he is just an incredible resource. And he's completely like crowdfunded um and you know just rolls with the punches when people come at him with criticism so there's just this underlying humor to him and I you know I found him well before hurricane season when I moved down here and it was recommended by a family member but you know if you go to Mike's weather page on Facebook and so literally what's called Mike's weather page just you know go for the information stay for the comments it's one (laughs) of those pages that the comments are just everything uh, so it's a lot of fun, especially if you live in a hurricane zone. Highly recommend following following him because trust me, he knows if there's a hurricane somewhere in, in the world. So, Have you been to his swag shop? I just logged into his webpage and went to his swag shop and it's legit. I have envy over his swag shop, actually. Like that's that's what I need. I need him to do a YouTube or, or you know, some kind of way to influence me on how to build a swag shop because it's on top of it's amazing so you need this bucket hat (laughs) that's how i'll get through this hurricane (laughs) uh well let's see we've got it's 12 30 and we actually have our guest ready to come on i am going to let her in right now so this is actually a wonderful individual who i had the pleasure of getting to know while i was up in new york state uh her name is diane and i will let her introduce herself how she wants to be introduced hello lovely how are you I'm good how are you not too bad I have given you virtually no introduction other than the fact that your name is Diane because I didn't know how you wanted to introduce yourself so (laughs) gosh there's so many ways to do it but um I'm Diane Duravage um Professionally speaking, I'm a licensed master social worker and a certified case manager. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about my professional life later, but that, that's my official title. 
Sorry, I had myself on mute so I could uh, fully listen to your words. Yes, your professional title, you know, you've been in, in the education environment. And one of the reasons we brought you on today is not only because you can speak to education, but in your personal life, uh, you also discussed, uh, you know, the benefits of inclusive education. And do you want to speak a little bit about how that's fallen into your realm? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I can start by giving you a brief introduction of, of who I am and where I came from. And um, I've had the opportunity to listen to a bunch of your podcasts, which are wonderfully entertaining, and I look forward to them every week. Um, and I know, you know, your audience is a lot of professionals and stuff. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to come on, throw out the perspective from a parent whose child went through the education system for many years. So um, I'm older. I grew up in the 60s and 70s in good old Mayapack, New York, which is in Putnam County. Um, had a you know a great childhood. You know everything you hear about growing up at that time is true. You know you're gone the whole day. Come home for you know a peanut butter and fluff sandwich, and then you're kind of gone till you hear your father whistle for you at night. Um, they were dangerous times, Marissa, and we survived. Hey, listen, you had me at peanut butter and fluff. <laughs> they were the best. So um, I left home when I was 16 years old to go to college. Um, and I graduated from Siena College in Albany, New York, with a degree in sociology, and then started um, a bunch of uh, different jobs in the field of human services. I had a great time learning so much over the years. My first job right out of college was at as a residence counselor at a, a home for individuals with disabilities. Um, and it's just so interesting, like back then, you had to have a four-year degree to work at a group home. I, I think that's really interesting when you look back at that and you know how much things have changed. Um, I, I worked as a coordinator of um, services for parents whose children have chronic health conditions. But then the crowning moment came when I was in my 50s and finally went back to school to get my master's in social work, which is something I'd always wanted to do. And then since then, I worked at Albany Med. I did behavioral health in a, a primary care physicians group. I'm officially retired now, which is wonderful, I have to say. You might be retired from education, but you have not retired at all. I'm calling no. your bluff publicly. Okay. You don't sit down ever. Yeah, no. And, and again, I'm officially retired, but my husband and I are real estate investors and we own um, a bunch of rental properties. So we stay really busy that way. Um, and then just, you know, quickly as for family life, I got married in 1984, had Jennifer in 1986. Uh, my son Douglas followed a year later, and then I had uh, twin boys in 1995. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, Jennifer always wanted a sister, and she wound up with three brothers. Um, I was not trying again. Uh, but luckily, Douglas is married to Jessica, and I got remarried um, six years ago next week to Bob, and uh, he has a daughter. Courtney. So um, Jennifer finally has her two sisters. Took a little while, but she has her two sisters now. Meant to be. That's how that works. And congratulations on your upcoming anniversary. That's very yes. exciting. Pass very, on my congrats exciting. to Bob. <laughs> yes. 
So um, that's kind of, in a nutshell, things professionally and family-wise, um, both two very important things. Um, and, you know, we, we stay really busy with the real estate investing business and, uh, and the rental properties. You know, sometimes things are really quiet and we're like, oh, wow, things are really quiet. And then things get crazy. And then you have those times where you feel like, oh, gosh, when is this run going to end of, you know, all these things happening? But we're really good with splitting things up between us, the, the tasks with, with uh, everything involved in, in our business. Um, and also, um, the other thing that takes up a lot of time, and we're going to talk more about Jennifer soon, is uh, taking care of the day-to-day -day needs and troubleshooting and anticipating issues to keep, um, to keep her, her life going in the right direction. Diane, mm -hmm. I'm super interested. So it's that, that you... Um... Uh, had a non-traditional path to your MSW. Yes. Tell us more about what that journey looked like and, you know, what that meant for you to finally get that. Right. So um, when I graduated with my degree in sociology, I really was on the path to get my degree in social work, but through a whole bunch of different things that happened and, and the way things lined up, long story, I wound up just getting the BA in sociology. And it was always my intention to get my master's in social work. So then I had all these kids and it wasn't happening, you know, and, and there were a lot of other things going on too which, uh, you know, kind of you, you put it on the back burner. I had a job that I absolutely loved. So that that really wasn't an issue um, with wanting to pursue it. But then when that job ended, because the funding ended, I said, well, what am I going to do? So I said, I think it's time. So that's when I went back. And I'll tell you, going back to school in your 50s, you appreciate it so much. And I got so much out of it. And I, I'm glad that I didn't do it until I was in my 50s. That's amazing. I can definitely see that being the case. Uh, my husband recently traveled for, you know, a week to do an intense uh, management training. Uh, but it was like the psychology of management. And he was so jazzed by all that he learned. Like I would get a phone call from him at night and, you know, it'd be a rundown of all of his classes through the day. He's come home with notebooks and, and textbooks and he's like, oh, well, I want to tell you about this one. I want to tell you about this one. And I think you just have this greater appreciation for new learning um, because I don't know, the world makes more sense once you're an adult, right? Or yeah, at least hopefully it does. experiences under your belt. Yeah, to, to make all that knowledge come to life. And just what does it mean when you're in your 20s? And again, I started school, started college very young. And, you know, you just don't have the the knowledge, the, no. the experiences. You don't. Yeah, it's funny, because I, I fought I kind of fought that idea. Um, before you in New York, before you could be a permanently certified educator special educator for at least a time I don't know if it's the same anymore you had to have uh worked for three years in in that profession mm -hmm. and I was always like well I did all the coursework I did yeah. all of this like why why haven't I earned that that permanent certification yet and it wasn't until I you know put those three years in it's like oh man I knew nothing when I started <laughs> that you know you really get the how much how much time and experience and life experience gets you you know 
So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and just, you know, when we talk some more about Jennifer, I mean, we can just jump right in and, you know, back to 1986, when she was born, she was my first child. She was born with Down syndrome and a severe congenital heart defect. And it just was a roller coaster right from the start. And I was coming from the perspective of having worked with individuals with disability my whole professional life. So, you know, I had that understanding. I was comfortable. That wasn't the part, you know, that that really bothered me. Um, it was, you know, dealing with all the medical issues and such. But she had um, successful open heart surgery when she was six months old. And then we were like, let's go, you know, it's, it's time to start living. So uh, soon after her brother was born. So, you know, apparently I did start living and, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I could write a book about that first year. It was, it was a roller coaster. So, um, you know, right off the start, we, Jennifer, she was born with Down syndrome. I said that um, she started an early intervention, which was done in the homes back then, which was really nice because, um, you know, and then I had another baby right away. So it was nice to have somebody come in and kind of show me things because I didn't know I was a new mother. So we got that going. And then when she turned three, then you had a choice of either having her go to an early intervention center or not getting any services um, tied to the system. So I just wanted her to go to nursery school. Um, I thought that it made sense. Um, I wanted her to go to the same nursery school as her brother. Like it just seemed absurd to me to send them to two different locations. But I, um, I toured the early intervention center, the school, it was wonderful. I mean, everything was just like set up perfectly to make everybody succeed, right? With the, the sight words and the goals and this and that. And I was just left with this sense. I want her to just have a more typical experience. I don't want her to have a goal to hang up her coat and a goal to put her lunchbox in her cubby. I want her to learn to do that because that's what you're supposed to do. So, um, so that began that whole track of, of getting her into nursery school. And we found a great nursery school. She started, spent three great years there. Um, her brother went there and then eventually her other younger brothers went there too. And she learned so much in that environment. And um, it was just a very, very happy time. Um, she learned just to read all kinds of social cues, to know what was going on just based on observing the other kids. And it was all just a great, a great experience. So then it, um, it came time for uh, kindergarten. And that was not a very happy time because I was just, yeah, she's gonna start kindergarten. And the school had a very different idea um, of where she would go. And at that time it was, um, a segregated, um, I don't know if everybody's familiar with the BOCE system, you know, um, and I just was not having it. I'm like, no, she's going to go to kindergarten. There's no reason for her not to go. She did great in nursery school all these years. So, um, but, you know, before like we get into that whole thing, because school was a whole big adventure. <laughs> um, I mean, this is back in the 80s and early 90s when things were very different. Like when I hear 
of you know the resources available to parents now and just at the click of a button they can find out well what what are my options like back then you had to pay for phone calls that were outside of your first three digits you know and like mm. even when we had play groups and things like that with other families whose children had disabilities we had to send out postcards letting people know and all the families took turns and you know, it was just a different world. Um, you know, when Jennifer was, you know, when we were trying to find a really good doctor to do her surgery for her heart, I had to go to the library and get phone books from Boston, from Philadelphia to look up phone numbers um, because wow. the operator couldn't like really give me the specific departments and all that other stuff. So, I mean, this is a very different time. And when I think about, you know, just how things were back then, it, it just, it blows my mind. It was just so different. Um, so parents were a huge source of information. We went to national conventions, like we'd say, okay, who's going to the national convention? Cause you'd have to bring back this information in the form of the spoken word and, um, you know, hand it down to other, to other families. And it would be like, well, what's the newest on, you know, least restrictive environment and uh, special education and, and what are our rights and all that stuff. So that's how we would, we would gather information. We were like really wow. detectives. We were detectives and we were so determined and, and it was good because it, it gave you that oomph to, to keep things moving forward. Yeah. So as, as amazing as, you know, having access to easier access to this type of information now, I imagine that there's a lot that was lost in just that type of community and relationships that you were able to build because you did depend on other families so much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our play groups were vital to our existence. You know, each family would take another month and host it. And it was a major information exchange. So when I look back on that, I'm like, that was my lifeline. Wow because it was hard to get information otherwise. I feel like I'm talking about the Stone Age. It's oh, so I was going to say that too. It's like, wait, yeah. when you're saying the, the 80s, you meant the 1980s, right? Not yeah. the 80s. Like, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. I was alive in the 80s. I mean, but you're right. If I think about it, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, a, a birthday invite or something like yeah. that. It, it was mail and phone calls. I mean, you can't get people to answer a phone these days. You can right. text them, you can email them, and that's about it. So yeah, it's a, it's incredible. And what a testament to a mother's love for doing mm -hmm. all of that and for all of the networking and researching and detectiving. And, you know, she was your firstborn too, you know? Yes. So not only are you having to figure out everything for her needs but you're also figuring out how to be a first-time mom just in general and all of the emotional roller coastering that mm -hmm. goes with that yeah. it's that's truly admirable it really is yeah. well you know you do what you have to do and that's what parents do no matter what I mean I don't look at it as a particularly difficult thing I had to do you just do what you have to do um, exactly. I think working mothers have it really tough right now and, you know, you do what you have to do, you know, so you just, you know, and, and we, we did have a lot of fun being detective moms, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and tracking down this information. 
And, you know, we all had the same goal of let's get as much information as possible and make, you know, uh, decisions that make sense for our family. And that's what we're all doing. Nobody really chosen, chose an identical path, but we kind of were all in it together. That's amazing so, that you had that network for sure. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, so, you know, when all this came about, you know, Jen did start kindergarten. Um, back then, there was a news story of this parent. I don't even know what state this woman lived in, but it was right around the time that Jennifer was going to be starting kindergarten and her school refused her child entrance into the kindergarten class because of his disability. And she chained herself to the flagpole in front of the school. So it was this kind of joke I have with the principal, like, do I have to get my chains and padlocks? You know, like you got to let her come to school. So, I mean, fast forward, she went she went through elementary school with consultant teacher services. It was, it worked really well. And um, the teachers, you know, they, you know, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about the final outcome, because now Jennifer's 36 years old, so we have some outcomes to discuss, but they didn't feel qualified to teach her. They just didn't feel qualified. They were uncomfortable. They said, I didn't go to school for this. Um, and they weren't being mean. They were being honest. And, and I'm like, well, let's not complicate things. Let's just educate her. You know, it's not a, you know, I wasn't as serious about it. Like, you know, the way that they were breaking down what the problems were, I just saw, well, what are the solutions? You know, let's get, let's get to the end result here. So she went through um, elementary school really, really well. And then when it came time for middle school, it was like starting all over again. I'm like, oh, wow, we have all this success behind us. But it didn't even count. It was literally starting all over again. And with the challenges of starting middle school. Um, again, we figured it out. And she had some really productive years at middle school. Then it was time for high school. And they were like, well, certainly by now, you're going to realize that she needs to go to, you know, a certain place. And I said, no, certainly by now, you realize it's working. You know, it's not without challenges and problems, but it's working. And, um, and at that point, you know, she had the same friends she had since um, preschool. She was in, you know, she did ballet, tap and jazz class with them. She went to religious education with them. She was a brownie scout with them. I mean, how do you separate somebody from that? Yeah. You know, their, their friend group, you know, and we worked really hard to maintain um, those ties into the community with, with her. And um, so then when it was time for high school, started all over again. Uh, you know, long story short, it worked. I mean, she she went through high school, uh, learned that other kids can give the finger and hide it and not get detention, but she wasn't as skilled at that. So she wound up in detention a couple of times. Good for her. You know, so she didn't understand why other people could do it. I'm like, because Pete, you don't hide it well enough. <laughs> you gotta hide it. So... You know, she, you know, when I look back on everything with her education, what she, the good times, the bad, everything, 
it was the foundation of where she is today. And we're going to talk more about where she is today. Um, she has a great life. Um, she She's living on her own in her own house. Um, she has a cat that she takes care of. She has a very busy life. And she is the director of that life. And she is responsible. She's safe. She's fun. She 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 knows she knows everything she needs to know and she knows how to plan her own life um and you know all of that it, it's the foundation of her public schooling is what got her to where she is today you know all the things that you know like the teachers i said earlier would say that they didn't feel qualified to teach her and when i look back at the you know what you might call you know just the the other skills that she got from being educated in that environment is what made her what she is today her independence her responsibility um yeah the vicarious and, learning that occurs from being in you know at any classroom really but particularly when you're around your your peers or your general general education peers in this case and what a success story for advocacy you know this is for you for jen um, you know, and, and sticking by what you, you know, in your heart is right, you know, and that's, that's what we say all the time. One of the biggest things I do as a special educator is to try to empower parents who, you know, to say, Hey, if you, you know, have an opinion about this, like, you know, don't yes through a meeting, ask questions, find your own tools, have conversations with the education team that is there to answer and support, you know, it all ties back to the parents. And so much of an emphasis now is put on in uh, teacher training to include the parent, make them part of the team. But that shouldn't that shouldn't even be a question. No, they are. They are the foundation of the team. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's always interesting to me when when to hear parents who have had to fight, because that's that's why this is a conversation in teacher training anymore, you know, because parents passionately want to be part of the education. And so often they're kind of just viewed as an accessory to when really they are the core of it. So it's wonderful to meet somebody who's fought the fight and had successful outcomes and, you know, can serve as a role model for others. It's, it's beautiful. And I think the other important part is like, you know, the, the teachers, the, the special ed professionals, you know, they would say, well, we just want her to be successful you know, I'm like, well, so do I, you know, we all want her to be successful and have a good life. But then when you get right down to defining what is success, we had very different definitions about what success was. And, um, and then that helped us realize, you know, well, we're both kind of defining it the same, but we really want two different things or we envision different things happening at the end. So what did that look like? What, what, where did your definition of success differ? Was it because you didn't want, you know, hanging up backpack goals or what, what, you know, what, tell me what that looked like. Well, I felt like I always had the end goal in mind of what, what it would be like as an adult. And I wanted her, I didn't know, I didn't have a crystal ball like any of us, you know, it's not like I can sit here and say, I wanted this. So therefore I did this. I didn't know I was going on my gut. And 
I just felt like her best chance at having, you know, as independent a life as possible is for her to be able to be amongst her peers. Now, if I, my goal were, you know, like she's going to live in a, in a community residence or, um, you know, have a job, you know, wherever I may have been a little more open to having her educated, like, you know, the way, whatever the system was recommending. And I didn't envision that. I didn't even know what I envisioned kind of, you know, like I wanted it to be open-ended and not like, this is where they're going to end up. And interestingly, you know, when Jen got into the later years of high school, you know, our uh, school district, they had like something like 97% of their graduates going on to a four-year college degree. And I said, you know, and they advertise this, like this percentage do this, this percentage get these high paying jobs. And I said, what percentage of the kids that are in the special ed classrooms go on to get a job? What percentage go on to live independently? And of course the answer is, well, we don't have those statistics. We don't know. And, and I said, well, I, I just would guess that not a lot of them are, you know, just from what I see around me. So out of the, the other families who kind of did something similar to me, their kids are living independently. And I don't say that with any judgment toward any other parent and whatever they choose, because every parent knows what's best for their kid and is going to fight for that. So, you know, I, I say that at the risk of sounding like I'm being judgmental, I'm not. Um, but I just knew that this would give her the best chance. And she is so independent. That girl knows what's going on. She knows when she has to get up. I, I have not asked her to, to um, set an alarm clock since she was like in third grade. She knows, she just knows what she has to do and how to do it and how to get it done. I feel like, I feel like we might know who she gets that from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That might be an apple nut falls from the, far from the tree situation okay <laughs> maybe I just I just see her as somebody who learned so much along the way and we're so grateful to everybody who worked with her um you know everybody needs to work together so you know at the end of the road when we were all done with high school and the CSE chairperson said so what do you think I'm like I wish we had more fun during it because it was it was stressful it mm -hmm. was, you know, like I never felt like they were being mean or not doing what they were supposed to do. We just didn't always have the same understanding of it. And I just wish we'd had more fun because I'll tell you, Jen had fun during her school <laughs> years. She really did. And uh, I think that's an important lesson. It is. Um, I'm going to keep you on if you don't mind, but I know Emily has to run off to a meeting. Uh, you said you had a hard stop today, Emily, is that right? I do, I, I do, but I can't wait, Diane, to, to listen in this evening as this conversation continues. And um, I'm just so inspired by you for, for many different reasons, um, you know, for what you've contributed to the field and in your professional work, but, you know, for sharing this story with us and just, having such dynamic and incredible perspective of what what it really takes and what's really important and to align on 
what does success look like between everybody, you know, not just the teachers, but involving parents. And I just am so grateful that, that you're sharing your story today. And uh, it was lovely to meet you. Yes. And you too, Emily. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. So Diane, with all of this, uh, all that you're doing, you're obviously a super involved parent. You mentioned that, you know, you're quote unquote retired, but I know you travel all the time. I know that, you know, you've got this, uh, you're, you're doing a real estate investment on the side, which is a whole nother fascinating aspect of your life. But uh, the question I have to ask on this podcast is how do you maintain a work-life balance? Huh. Well, you know, my husband and I are just so good at, you know, figuring out what has to be done. We're real kind of schedule oriented people like color coded Google calendars and stuff. And, you know, and we, and we just kind of parse out, you know, what, what it is that needs to be done. But in the last year or so, we've gotten really good at turning it off and saying, now we're done. Um, because when you come from a work, work, work kind of perspective, it's really hard to turn it off. We are becoming experts in turning it off and, and having some fun. So I, I think it's more of a collaboration of, okay, that's enough. Now let's go have some fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And well, then that's... too with, with Jennifer, I mean, there are so many positives, but you know, one of the other realities is that it takes a lot of time, planning, troubleshooting, anticipating to make sure that she can maintain this life. It's not, it's not perfect. We do have to work at making sure she has everything that she needs. And, um, and we anticipate what some of the roadblocks might be. That's why it's so important to have her right down the road from us. I mean, she's five houses away. It's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Um, so I, something I wanted to ask about is, you know, we do have uh, as much as we have people in the profession and education and related, uh, areas, listen, we also have a fair amount of parents and some of those parents are navigating kind of parenting in the special education world for the first time. Now I realize that most of your experience was in the eighties through the nineties into modern day, but what, you know, from all that you've learned through this time of, of being the mom to Jen, what advice do you have for parents out there? Well, it's really no different than when you look at any topic related to raising kids. And that's kind of, you know, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record on trusting your instinct, but you really have to. And kind of, you know, talking to other people, gathering information, but not getting caught in that trap of feeling that you have to keep getting more and more and more information, because there comes a point that you can just be practical and simple about your decisions. You know, kind of what you want at the end. And, and, you know, you kind of backward chain and see what what it is you need to do now to get to that end result. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, so how do you personally live inspired through all of through all of this? I mean, you're you're living in retirement. What is what is inspiring you these days? Or as a mother helping, not it sounds like she's very independent, but as a mom, how do you live inspired for Jen, for your other students or your other children, et cetera? 
Um, just enjoying time with them. I mean, this is really nice when your kids grow up. It's sad at the same time. Like I, I just get those pangs all the time. Like where did the time go? And now that I'm a grandmother, because Douglas has a beautiful 15 month old who's his spinning image. I mean, it's hysterical. I sometimes forget that it's his child and not like we haven't reverted back in time, but I'm spending time with him and just seeing things, you know, enjoying things because you're not always pressed to do everything. Um, I love not being able to go to have to leave the house in the morning to go to work. Um, I just appreciate every single little thing around me. And um, I'm always taking deep breaths and just being appreciative of that. Um, and then always at the end of the day, every single day, drink tequila, every single day, <laughs> every day for your health. Yes. Top <laughs> That's shelf. perfect. Top shelf tequila. And it's one of the things I love about you. <laughs> Well, that's, that's fantastic. And what a blessing it is to have your family close by so that you are able to, you know, provide support should you need to, though, how amazing it is that, you know, she lives on her own, takes care of her cats. Uh, you know, not every parent has had that outcome that you have. And, and right. that's a wonderful testament to all that you have done leading up to today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, um, and, and this is, you know, off the cuff here, but what advice do you have for teachers? Because as I'm working in new settings, I am working with more of the general education environment, general ed teachers, support staff, et cetera, who, you know, times have changed a lot in a lot of places, mm -hmm. but it's still a new idea to have some children uh, involved with the general education curriculum. And what kind of advice do you have for teachers or you know, teaching assistants, you know, who may be taking on a child with significant needs who they've never worked with before. What, what would you say to them? Well, everybody needs everybody's perspective. Um, parents, teachers, professionals, they all bring their own treasure chest to the table of, of things they know. Um, teachers and professionals have been like critical in teaching Jen the skills she needs to learn. Um, I feel like I brought my treasure chest of, you know, just that she, the parent's vision, that's really important. And if you can really just relax and combine those things, you've got your answers. It's not, it's not rocket science. You've got your answers. Yep. That is something I've been preaching personally for a very long time is mm -hmm. that, you know, have we sat down and asked the parents what they want, what's important to them in education. You know, half the time I don't have to write that involved of it and IEP, for example, because I've heard what the parents are saying and we can just take that and put it into words so everyone is happy at the end of the day. And that's really what it's all about is, is joint happiness and, and success in life. And just knowing too that parents kind of know they're not blind, they're, they know what their kids' challenges are. And if all you do is talk about the challenges and not the successes, uh, it feels like you're just getting beaten down at every meeting as a parent. Yes, so it gets, it gets exhausting. We all know what our kids, we're not blind. Right. We're just choosing maybe not to always talk about the things they can't do. You know, I used to get reports that say, Jennifer can count 
from one to 10, but she cannot count beyond 10. I'm like, do you really have to say that second part? Like we know. Right, we got it. We got one to 10, okay? 11, it's not happening right now. You know, maybe later, but we don't need that second half yeah. of the sentence. Right, exactly. We don't need the comparative. I mean, Let's I celebrate. was celebrating the fact when she could count to 10. Absolutely. And, you know, I know she can't get past 10. But getting to 10 is pretty huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. Well, let's see. We've got two more things to go through uh, during our time together. And one of them is, is do you have any book or movie recommendations related to what you've discussed today or just ones that you personally like? No, I, I would say nothing's related to what we've discussed today. I do try to, I spent many decades just reading and reading and reading and reading, you know, the case law that supported inclusive education, um, reading about how kids learn and stuff. You know, now I, I like to read things like um, my favorite is any book by David Sedaris, because he's just so witty and honest and he has a way of looking about at things that it just, you're either silently chuckling or laughing really loud. He's so funny. And I've seen him in person several times and it always just fills me up to listen to him. I have not had the opportunity to see him speak yet or hear him speak yet. And it is totally on my bucket list. It really Definitely is. Worth it. Yeah. So that's that, wonderful. Movies, you know, like when I really, if I'm honest about Movie, it would have to be Step Brothers. It, <laughs> it is hands so down good. the best movie. And every time I watch it, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier. And it is, I'm embarrassed to say how excited I am when I see it come on TV. It really is so good though. And it's so quotable. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of quotes that I'll pull out of that movie every time. And I think there is something new every time, which just speaks to what you're saying is that it's funnier and funnier every single time that you watch it. Yeah. It's, it's an iconic piece of filmography in my opinion, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm pretty sure is not what they set out to make, but it has become that, you know, it's, it's almost a cult classic. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, as we wrap up our time together, this is your quote unquote minute of self-promotion time. Uh, you know, talk about whatever it is that you want to put out there into the world. It can be, you know, a personal project of yours. It can be something you feel passionate about. It can be a message you want to end on. But the floor is yours. Wow. No pressure. Um, I mean, I, I guess I feel the need to speak to parents and like so much has changed since I've had Jennifer, but so much is the same. I mean, it's, it, you know, you hear about some of the challenges facing families today, um, but it just, it really all comes down to, I know what's best for my child. And I just, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that that happens. That's beautiful. And I, I hope the parents that do listen to this and, and ask for advice and, and uh, you know, who are invested in, in listening to this program to take out those tidbits, hear that, hear that very loudly is, you know, trust your instinct, trust your gut. You do know what's best for your child. And uh, that's wonderful. Dan, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. This was a lot of fun for me personally, but also just what wonderful uh, advice you have and a beautiful story that you've shared with us about your own experiences in education and raising Jen. And uh, we really appreciate your time coming on today. It was really a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Let's talk about special education problem facing our nation. Seven million students need special education services, but over 98% of school districts can't find the staff that they need. On top of that, there are 14% fewer people entering the field. Whoa, it's no wonder teachers and providers are overwhelmed. Enter Teleteachers. We offer options. We can help fill in gaps in your special education teams, as well as help your teams monitor IEP goals and progress through our technology platform, Mira for Schools. We want to help special education teams get back to what matters the most, the students. Check us out online today at www.teleteachers.com or send an email to hello at teleteachers.com to find out more information. Tell them Marissa sent you. Thank you for joining us today. Take a deep breath. Remember, we, the education and parent community, work better together. We innovate better together, and we don't need to be in the same physical space to do it. We are online inspired, and we are so delighted that you have decided to listen in today. You can find us working to live our best lives online via our Facebook and Instagram pages. Search for online and inspired, where you can also find our personal handles and, of course, plenty of baby pictures. You can also visit our website, which features our swag shop at www.onlineandinspired.com. And if you are looking for position in online learning, please check out our website at www.teleteachers.com slash join.html and follow Teleteachers on Facebook or Instagram. Stay connected, stay inspired, and we'll see you next week.